<laughs> Live from the J.C. Newman Cigar Studios in Boston, Massachusetts, welcome to the Smokin' Tobacco Show with your hosts, Matt Tobacco and Smokin' Nicole. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Smoke and Tobacco Show after a week off. My name is Matt Tobacco from SmokeandTobacco.com, and I am joined by my good friend, Mr. William Cooper of Cigar Coop. That's right. This isn't Spare Notes. This is Smoke and Tobacco Show. I know what you're thinking. There's a little bit of confusion here. It's Thursday night. It's not Saturday. Uh, why is Coop here? Um, well, let's see. Uh, the staff has been very busy, and uh, so, you know, I called on my good friend Coop and I said, hey, listen, uh, you want to fill in? And he was gracious enough to be here tonight. He has his own show later on, uh, but he decided to be here with us. Uh, we have two great guests with us tonight. We have Raul and Christian from CLE. Um, interesting, interesting show because last time we were here it was two weeks ago with Tom Lazuka of Asylum CLE. So. Uh, that was our Asylum show. This is going to be our CLE show. But before we get going, gentlemen, welcome. But, Christian, I have a message to deliver to you, and I want to give it to you now before I forget because I promised Tom that I would do this. and Because he made sure he, he told me three times, so I, I, I have to do this so I, I can say I did it. He said, to tell Christian I was right. Um, that's that's all he wanted me to say. Tell Christian I was right. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about blind squirrels and <laughs> so uh I mean Tom I, I, I did what you asked. Um you know you can you can take it up with Christian from here um on uh, on all of that. So uh but gentlemen, welcome to the show. It's it's really an honor and a pleasure to have all of you here with me. Um how's everyone doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing really. Uh, we're in Miami. Just got in from uh, the TA La Romana. Had a good flight back. It was a great trip, and uh, actually pretty good convention. It was nice to see people in a social atmosphere. You know, just like the PCA itself was also a lot of fun to get together with everybody. And it was a TAA. TAA is always a very relaxed atmosphere, and these people at La Romana really know how to do it right. It's amazing. You look at that. That what they've done with that property. Oh, it's amazing. I love that property. Well relaxed, man. It was a good trip, and. Uh, I had a chance to go over to Santiago real quick, get some stuff done, and, and secure more tobacco. So it was productive, man, in all kinds of ways. Plus, I took Alexandra on a trip. We had a good time. And Lazuka turned 50 yesterday, so we celebrated his birthday for everybody. Oh, that's uh, right. Happy birthday, Tom Lazuka. <laughs> yeah. So I got to ask Christian, were you and Tom Lazuka, like, racing in those uh, the golf carts? <laughs> I, I can see both you guys like trying to race each other on the golf carts on that property. Well, you know, and actually those races, you do end up racing with people. Yeah. The, the roads are so long in La Romana. And it's just a luck of the draw. Sometimes you get really good golf carts and sometimes you get one that's not so good. Yeah. I was really pretty hot about mine. So until I got passed by, um, who the hell was it, man? Anyway, I was passed by, uh, oh yeah, by, by Vartan from from uh, ambassadors over in Scottsdale. I mean, I didn't know the old guy had it in him, man. I think the guy, <laughs> the guy was like a 15-year-old boy racing that thing. He was there with his daughter. Yeah, and yeah. They beat me. I was beating everybody until that point. Uh, it, it's, it's what, it, and Matt, this is what you do with Anacasa de Campo. They have these golf carts, and that's what you use to get around. And everyone just wants to race everyone. It, it's just a natural reaction. It sounds like a great time. I mean, I would, to yeah. I would totally be in that. <laughs> um. If you ever get a chance to go to Romani, you got to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely on my list. You know, I, I've been wanting to – there's so many places to go. 
so the, the list of cigar trips that I need to take versus I want to take, I mean, it's huge. So I'm hoping at some point I'll get down there for that. Uh, you know, it's interesting. It's a great time for, for, I guess, you guys all to be on here. You know, TA, you know, did just happen. You were just down there. Um, is there anything, uh, anything exciting or noteworthy that happened at TAA this week or this, this, you know, last couple of days that, uh, you could share with us firsthand? Not really, man. I think, I think it was more of a dry run and make sure you know, almost just to where everybody get back in the mood of traveling and seeing each other again. You know, the countries, the more we thought things would be more, more, um, normalized the more complicated they're getting when you travel you got to fill out a, a million things in dumb forms so um no man but newsworthy cigars cigar wise nothing much really it was basically just us and, and thanking and showing appreciation for our customers and i think it was the same our customers were there they wanted to meet each other and, and show their appreciation toward us too because at the end this this really is a, a partnership and we can't live without each other so um it was a good trip man. it was a very very good trip well it's always awesome to hear um, you know, especially, you know, last year, not much happened. So to see uh, a lot of things happening this year, it's been really great. Um, you know, I know you mentioned PCA. We were all at PCA together. You know, it was really nice to to catch up and see people. And, you know, you just went to TAA and, you know, TPE is right around the corner and then, you know, so on and so forth. So, you know, it's nice to see these events happening again. Um, but you know what I am? You know what I'm seeing? The bit? I mean, I'm getting way ahead, but you mentioned PCA, you mentioned TAA. And yeah. there's one thing I'm noticing is how companies are, I don't know if it's redefining themselves, but how these, you know, we talk about it in the office a lot, how there are like two or three different types of companies out there. You got the very big corporate types, European companies, right? They make great cigars. Everybody mm-hmm. makes, there's not one single bad cigar out there, period. All right. So let's, let's get that out of the way from the beginning. But it's just how business is approached. So you got the, the smaller family owned companies and, you know, we're getting more and more separated as far as how we approach our brands and our products than it was before. So that was really interesting to see how it's happening. And uh, you, know, you notice how people run their, their business, their promotions, and their marketing. And the big corporate ones have one idea, and the family companies have a whole different idea. And uh, so, I mean, that's one thing. Because I, 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 kept, I kept thinking about what you said about anything interesting happened at TAA. And I think it's more and more defining how us small companies work as opposed to the larger European types. Not one's better than the other, just different. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's a different approach. It's a different, you know, recipe, uh, I think, for everyone kind of going into any event. Um, You know, everyone has a different, you know, business plan that they want to attack, and there's a different, you know, social agenda, whatever it is. There's so many different aspects that go into these these meetings or shows or, or, or trade shows or, or functions, whatever, whatever they are, whatever you want to call them. So, yeah, and it's, it's interesting to see all that unfold and kind of see where it goes. Um, before we do get too far ahead of ourselves, I do want to uh, want to see what everyone's smoking tonight. Um, I'll start with Coop, the man to my to my right here. Coop, what do you got going on? I got the, the new CLE signature. Uh, this is the TAA version, that 1118. Hmm. Uh fantastic this is fantastic this is my first time smoking it right at a gate it's a flavor bomb this thing's amazing yeah yeah yep yeah, yeah. raul what are you smoking yeah, I, down there i'm smoking a 25th anniversary down to the nub it's amazing go. flavor and yep. today was a night for this yep. cigar yep 
And Christian, you're not smoking with us tonight. I think you're probably uh, you're taking the night off after probably a, a lot of smoking no, this man, week. Actually, <laughs> I, I landed, I scheduled the trip so I could get, go watch Christian play. He's playing FIU. He had a you know it's, it's fall ball right now. Man, he had a, great, a couple of hits, one uh, he had a monster home run. So uh, and I was smoking at Sealy City, where Cooper's smoking right now, the 1118. So that now becomes the official baseball cigar because I'm very superstitious. Smoking that every day when he's playing. Nice. And yeah, you know, they're they're cool at the stadium when they let us. We even make a special cigar for the team. So uh, when there's fall ball, we're able to smoke watching baseball, which is nothing. There's really nothing like it. That's there's beautiful. Like it. Beautiful. I mean, Christian, this rapper. I mean, whatever the, that Cameron C is doing down in Honduras, it's producing great, great rapper. And this is another example of it. This is fantastic. Thank you, man. Cooper, I know you've been there a couple of times with with my father. You've seen the park. Listen, this is a guy. You know, my father is just at that age. He's always been like that, but now that he's going to be 84 in January, he's just more at that age, which he's going to do exactly what he wants to do. He's not going to listen to logic. Nothing's going to deter him from doing what he wants to do. And he's been trying to grow this Cameroon rapper, I'm telling you, since the 90s. Because Cameroon, too, the seed itself has evolved. And finally, man, finally he got this one, and it's awesome. Matter of fact, when he came out last year, I said, Dad, Listen, all right, I'm in, man. He goes, yeah, yeah, but you got to let me do my cigars first. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to sit back for like a year, year and a half until we can finally get this one out, which is fine, man. And uh, yeah, bro, but the good thing is, the the good thing about working with tobacco with my father is that we don't cross paths very much either because he doesn't like full-body cigars very much. This is much fuller. Right? Yeah, Yeah, man. And I'm I'm really really falling in love with this with this Cameroon. The more I smoke it, the more I like it. It's a whole different taste, and when you blend it with Corojo, man, it just it's a perfect combination. Yeah. And I, I didn't think you know, it's funny when you blend cigars and you bring something new into the mix. How the flavors completely begin to to change and new. You know, myself, I begin to to open my mind and begin to taste. Because look, I'm I'm I love Corojo more than any other tobacco out there. Period. Nothing else, but you know this. This has taught me that maybe there is a second type of tobacco that I can like, and not just so focus on on the authentic world down there. Sure. Yeah, the uh, the cigar I'm smoking is probably one of my favorites uh, from the whole Aroa collection, um, and it was the first Aroa cigar that I actually ever had, and that is the first twenty Colorado. Um, nice. And, and nice. this is the five by fifty. And according to our friends at TwoGuysCigars.com, you can pick this cigar up for thirteen fifty nine, or you can buy a box for two thirty nine ninety nine, and that's at the number two guyscigars.com. Now it's cigar inter- of the year. It's cigar cigar of, the year. of the year. That's right. Um, yep. Now it's interesting that you know I bring this up because back in the day, uh, Christian, it was Two Guys Smoke Shop that tested out Camacho for you in the early days of Camacho. Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing I've always liked about Dave is Dave was always willing to experiment. You know, Dave is that guy that he doesn't mind tasting something, say, testing something new and, and giving something else, something different a shot. And Dave gave us an audience, man. And what, and what was so important, first, you know, we got, we got to go back in the time machine. And back then it was the end of the cigar boom. And the cigar boom was really defined by Dominican Republic. It was a lot of Connecticut rap cigars. Medium body. There was no full body cigar back there, back then. So uh, when Camacho Crow comes out, it was so 
such a new thing and so different from the time. And, you know, it was kind of testy because my father himself hated those cigars. He thought they were too strong. And uh, so, so David <laughs> said, man, I'll try them. And we killed it. We did really well. So it was David, two guys that helped us out there. And then uh, it was Mitch uh, from Cigar King, who, who back then he was in, in, in Chicago. He helped us out, too. And uh, a guy's name was Larry Wagner. I think he, he closed the store. It was Cigar Warehouse in Los Angeles. And he closed the store a few years ago. Well, he was actually one of the uh, one of the guys that really helped me out a lot. Hey, man, you got a box press and make a round, do this, do that. And we went through different transitions with that tobacco because no one knew it. And, uh, you know, they were brown, they were box press, and we had four colors, light natural, natural, dark natural, and Maduro. We just we couldn't define the cigar. And it was really revolutionary. And that's also what, what led us to the fact that very few people knew about this tobacco is what led me to start doing the trips to the factory. And I was able to explain to every single one of our customers that came down there. And I remember from a business point of view, we were getting $40 back for every dollar spent. But it was risky. Dude, back then, you just didn't travel to Cigar Factory. And people right. were very much afraid of traveling right. to our countries. So uh, so we did that. And, uh, and and all started because I kept going up over. Uh, I kept going to Cigar Aficionado for them to cover. Uh, my father had revived the authentic Oro seed from Diego Rodriguez. And, bro, they just wouldn't give me the story. I said, screw it. I'm spending 120000 bucks a year with these people. Let me just change that, and I'll start uh, bringing every customer down here. And that's what worked for us, and that's how we built that brand. Yeah, and Christian, when you see – like I, I've been to the farm, and it's it's all the little things that you guys do on the farm, you know, from, from the bear program to the eucalyptus yeah. trees and things. like It's just those little things, and, and I can understand why you guys have so much succeeded with, with, a, with a seed that's been very difficult, obviously, to work with. Yeah, man. You know, the, the, the joke is always that the dirt floors don't have any dirt on them. <laughs> <laughs> the tobacco barns. But it was a cha- listen, it was a change of culture. It took a very long time for us to get there. It took a very long time for us to get to that point culturally. Because, you know, Honduras is a country. You still drive down the highway and you see people throwing plastic bags out the window of the car and stuff like this. So, you know, when you go and you start visiting the culture that we established in the farm, in the sorting room, in the factories, it's just a whole different level of. Uh, I think it's it's a whole. I mean, Honduras is behind, obviously, for for uh, education and practices, many things. But you know, from a, a business culture, especially a factory type culture, you know, we've been able to keep and maintain this this type of culture that works really well and keeps people healthy. You know, we we were so far ahead, like when this whole COVID started, that really all we had to do was the spacing in the factory because we were already doing that. And I'm sorry, in the masks, right? We didn't do masks before. Mm-hmm. But you walk in, you have to go through the bacterial process, you got to go through a special shower, you got to do all these things. Yep. We have our doctors, we have a doctor in the farm, and we also have a doctor in the um, in, in the factory that's always checking people. You know, we were the first to get every single employee vaccinated. I think like ninety, like ninety something percent of the workers got vaccinated. You know, it's um, if, if they wanted to get vaccinated, they got vaccinated. But we provided that, provided that for them, and they, they had the choice, but they all chose to do it. And we were the first ones to get everybody vaccinated. So, you know, little things like this uh, uh, really make me proud of what we've done. Yeah. And I, and I think eventually it shows. You know you know where it shows the most? When you open up a box of cigars and you see how the cigars are packed. Because it's real intricate, man. You got the box. You got the, uh, you got the Vista. You got the bands. You got the tissue. And you notice the care that our, our people work and pack those cigars. You know, that, that, I think that's a telltale sign. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the the product speaks for itself, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, and it's not just the cigar itself and the way it smokes and the way it burns. And you know, it it the presentation is part of it. And, and I know those people out there were like, "Wow, presentation, whatever the box doesn't matter. It's all about the cigar. It's all of it. It's all of it. It really yeah. is. It, it's the tobacco itself. It's the cigar, the construction, the roll, the blend, the complexity, the whole thing." It's the way it's banded. It's the way it's boxed. The presentation. It's not just when you know you go into a store and you just buy one and light it. You know, it's it's you go in the store, you see the box on the shelf. It's presented there for you. You, know, you maybe yep. you buy a box, you take that home, you open the box for the first time, you peel the paper open. The cigars are right there. Maybe there's a ribbon on it. How everyone does it different, whatever it is. You know, it's when it's all there and it's done right and it looks good and it's not rushed and it's not half-assed. You know. It shows, yeah. you know, the, the quality still yeah. went into the work. Yeah. Also, the consistency. Yeah. Yeah, consistency. Yeah, you, know, you go, you go to, um, we even cut the wood the same day we make the boxes. I think. Right. I think the worst thing, and, and I talk about this with Dave Garofalo. Like Dave Garofalo is, I mean, the guy is a perfectionist on the retail side, but he also, he also loves. He's a fan of cigars and the packaging, and, and you know. He's a fan of the little, little things that normally people don't pay attention to. He's a cigar geek. And, uh, dude, he, yeah, he is, man. He, you know what? And I don't think he'll ever admit it, but he is. So he, he is. is all, he is. is. Loves, I, guy eats, sleeps, and drinks cigars. No he problem. loves it. He loves yeah. it. Yeah. And that's why he runs the business that he does, right? The yeah. Staff loves cigars, everything. He's really passionate about it. But, you know, the the, uh, the one thing that, uh, you know, I, I might, he might disagree because he's a retail. But the one thing I hate the most about this industry is the fact that we have to sell cigars in open boxes. Listen, I get it, man. It changed the 90s. We have to do it that way. That's the only way that people can see the cigars. But the, the essence of the cigar escapes when you open up that box. Yep. You know, if you take any of these, like right now you're smoking the, the signature and you guys are smoking. Now, the cigars that you guys are all smoking all came in, in a tissue. If you take yep. that tissue right now and you take yep. a whip with that tissue right up to your oh, nose. Oh, yeah. The, the the open part, Coop, take a whiff. You can smell the I tobacco, off the table. You smell the cedar, you smell everything. Oh yeah, I got it. And that's yeah, what yeah. escapes when the box is open. Yeah. It all escapes, you know? Yeah. 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 Hmm. I'm very much into smells. You know, when when I begin to blend the new cigar, it starts in the sorting rooms. When I go yeah. to the sorting room, I can smell the tobacco. That's when I start getting the ideas. And I get the ideas, I get the colors, I get the box, I get everything. And get sometimes I go to poor Raul, I go, Raul. You know, I'm thinking whatever, yellow. I don't know what I'm thinking, but I'm thinking yellow. Oh, what do you want? I, go, I don't know, man. So I need you to come up with something. I'll, I'll tell you. The, <laughs> the poor guy <laughs> starts designing yeah. things. And it's no, 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 no. Oh, wait, 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 stop. Go back, go back. And uh, yeah. it's kind of like that with Raul. Yeah. Yeah, Christian, you know, the cigar Matthew's smoking. You know I love that cigar. And I, and I do buy boxes of that cigar. And I could tell you when you open that box and th and that first cigar, you're you're spot on. I mean, it, it, yeah. that's that's the honest truth. There's something yeah. special when you open that, you know, uh, especially your cigars, but especially that one that Matthew's smoking. It just blows me. Away. It, it's yeah. it, that that's just so much a big part of the experience. I, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, and and it's sad that it gets lost in stores, but there's no other way to do it, man. I mean, I I get it. I get it, it yeah, it. yeah. When did you buy the by the box? When did you, right you know, box, I, I know we talk about, and you've talked about it, whatever, you know, that you know, you guys box the cigars the same day that the wood is cut. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, the freshness of that cedar oil and the fresh cut wood coming out. Wh when and how did you 
come up with that concept? Because <laughs> we were rushed for production, man. But we made the first batch, and I go, oh, shit, wait a minute. That feels <laughs> awesome, man. I would love to tell you that a lot of planning was involved. No, man. We just had to make the boxes. <laughs> I believe you, man. I believe you. So, so now we, we dry the boards. You know, by drying the boards, means you get them wet. Outside, yep. we do it natural. We don't kill and dry it. So we leave them outside where it rains, and, you know, when, when the sun comes out, it evaporates all the goo that goes inside the wood. So, we, you know, we cut the thinner, thinner uh, pieces. So at that point, when the pieces are, are cutting up, that's when they go right into production. And then we'll close those boxes off. And, uh, but yeah, man, that's how, I mean, that's how it really started. So it's, a, Before, it's one of those you know, accidental discoveries? Yeah, man, like the 3M uh, post-it <laughs> note, bro. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I'll it's, tell you, I'll, I'll be as open and candid with just about everything, bro. That's why Tom gets to pick on me. Because I... I, I <laughs> You know, just like that, that stupid 70. You know, I planned for like eight or nine months for the CLE and the blends and the tobacco. <laughs> I went and bought the tobacco. Bro, I'll tell you, man, when I tell you we spent two hours on Psalm 13, I'm probably exaggerating. I'm probably just being nice just to, because if I said 97 minutes, no one would believe me. So we probably spent two or three hours on that cigar. And look how huge it became. And sometimes you plant things and some things just happen because they happen. You know, it's, it, it is, it's crazy, you know, especially, it's not even just Asylum, you know, obviously Asylum's been very successful, but as a whole, larger ring gauge cigars are becoming popular. I mean, we've even seen, you know, Nick Perdomo bring a large uh, 70 ring gauge cigar into back into production. Uh, it, it's becoming more popular now. Um, if you look at what the Europeans smoke, a lot of the Europeans smoke smaller cigars, uh, yet over here, we're smoking bigger cigars. Um, Bro, you know, not anymore, man. Europeans went for larger ring gauges too. You know, our yeah. our second largest market right now is France, and it's a seventy by seven. Wow, yeah. wow! I didn't no, even no, know man. that. This is a revolutionary yeah. thing, man. You know, we weren't yeah. we weren't the first to come out with a seventy. Uh, I think JFR, uh, but you know, we just we were able to come in, and you know, we did at the right price, right product, right blend, right look, right band, right name, everything, everything just aligned perfectly. And perfectly accidentally, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, there was no, there was no marketing group involved. There was none of that strategic planning. It was just Tom one day says, "Hey man, you know, I'm, I'm seeing the, you know, these are always empty. These people can't supply them. All right, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, I'll, I don't think it's gonna work, but I'll make five thousand. I think it's a dumb idea, and it worked, and it worked, and it completely changed the direction of our company altogether. And, know, that, we and that's be, and that's why Tom told me to tell you. Tell Christian yeah, I, I said I was right. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, man. You're but, you, but, you know, but I love those things. You know, we, one time we were doing the, that Nicaragua Cigar Fest when they asked, hey, hey uh, do any, we were in a panel, I think Pete Johnson was on that panel, I don't know who else was on it. And they go, hey, man, do you um, guys ever make mistakes? And these guys are all serious, you know, they give their answer. I go, bro, I love mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. And I enjoy it so much. Like, if you, 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 listen, man, and, and it's not, this is something I used to drive the guys at Davidoff, the Swiss guys, crazy. Because we're not master planners. We don't sit there and strategize about how to do a product. We just do it. You know, I, I get the idea. And that's the one thing that, that I would have concerns in the company moving forward. You know, like next, next generation, how do we develop that part? But there's right. something very intuitive about when we work on a cigar and working with somebody like Raul over the years, we begin to develop a rhythm. Right. And, uh, you know, I have it with our fact, my factory manager, 
we've been working 27 years on these, or 25, 26, whatever. You know, I've been with them for 25, 26 years. You know, Raul has only been a couple of years, three, four years, and but we're developing that rhythm. And once these things click, they click. Same thing with Tom. You know, we have a very nice rhythm with Tom Azuga. We understand each other. You know, he knows now, of course, the prick is having a field day because we can't make enough cigars. So he's like, Ooh. you know, which I, I, I actually like it this way better than me complaining to him all the time because we're not selling enough cigars. So I like the way it's working right now. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, and I think at the end, I think that, that especially if I'm in sync with my factory manager, right? But I, I think that the customer knows when a cigar is being made for market share purposes, for profit purposes, or for money purposes, or when someone's trying to make a product that they want people to enjoy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think yeah, I think the products the products of Tattletail, man, it'll tell you. Yeah, I mean, one of the other big things that has made you stand out is the fact that you you've gained this reputation as the Corojo King. Um, Hell yeah! In the Corojo tobaccos that you grow down in Honduras, which you know right now, you know Nicaraguan tobacco is really popular. You know, Dominican tobacco is huge. You know, it, it kind of has been for a long time. And obviously, then there's, there's Cuban tobacco, which is for us in the U.S. is a is a different thing that's kind of to the left because we don't really dabble with that. Um, but then you know the Honduran tobacco comes in, and, and the Aroas, and the Corojo tobacco that you guys grow. And that really does set you guys different. Uh, and that's something that your family has been growing for a long time. Um, do you find, you know, is there any extra challenge working with that Corojo? You know, when you're, you know, you, ha I, you have other cigars, you know, that you guys make with, with different tobaccos. But with that Corojo tobacco, is, is, it, is it a little bit easier to work with that tobacco? Okay, that's more no, of like your man. bread and butter, or is it more difficult to work with that tobaccos versus other tobaccos? No, it's very difficult, man. The Corojo seed is very hard to work grow with. The yields are low, and you don't get exactly what you want. The wrong, right amount of rain or the wrong amount of rain, anything can, can turn on you. It's not like, look, I think the best seed out there, which I hate the most, is Criollo 98. Why is it the best seed? Because it's great tobacco, man. That stuff, it grows real well. It's uh, on the business side. It's fantastic. It gives you high yields. Leaves are beautiful. A lot, a lot of wrapper yield also. The reason why I hate it is because it's so good that everybody uses it. So you lost. You know, you. I, I can smoke cigars from one of the three countries you mentioned, and to me, they all taste almost the same because they're buying wrappers, binders, and fillers all with the same seed. They might be from different suppliers, but it's all the same seed. You know, the Corojo is an exercise that we go through painfully because we do need that and i know it helps us stand out with our blends and uh it's just a different flavor altogether but you know that's why you know tobacco and the cigars you're smoking now on the Aroa, on the first 20 well that one that one has the victoria tobacco but the regular Aroa line we age the tobacco four or five years because i want to make sure i have enough cushion should we have a bad crop or a good crop now and that the one, the one Eidoa, which I'm not aging it that much, is in the dark. Yeah, I'm, I'm aging that one probably less than two years, only because I want that that cigar to have a lot of kick to it. Mm. And I don't get that many. I don't get make that many cigars either. And that's one of those things that I make whenever we get a good batch. And if I don't get a good batch, I just don't make them. You know, I take my time. There's no rush. So if you ever see a box of darks in the store, 
don't buy a cigar, just buy a whole box. If they had 13 cigars left, just take all 13 cigars. And that's one advice. That, you know, this is when I could tell you that we're making, I don't know, four and a half million cigars a year. And out of those four and a half million, the 10,000 or 20,000 that I make with those are the best of the best of the best that I can make. And, you know, and I know a little something about cigars. Those are the ones you get, you know. And now, uh, but, you know, I don't get the darks very often. I don't come up with them very often. But, yeah, the Corojo, listen, I wish to deal them more. I wish we could grow in other countries, but no one wants to grow it because of the blue mold, because of the yields, because of everything. So my father is the only one that really likes to do it. And and trust me, I pay, I pay the price. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's good. It, it's great tobacco, like you said. And I've always enjoyed smoking it, you know. And and I feel like there's certain things, there's certain tobaccos that when I smoke or cigars, when I smoke them, uh, and I and I look at the actual tobaccos, I think of certain people, right? You know, when I have a Corojo cigar, it always gets compared to to you, to Aroa. You know, when I have, yes, thank you. You know, when I have, you know, Nicaraguan sun grown, I think, you know, like Nick Perdomo, that's where I go. If I have something that's, you know, Dominican, light, creamy, I think Davidoff. It's just, it's just, it's just those things that you think of. The the cigars, yeah. a specific flavor right. profile with a specific tobacco. Your mind, no matter who you smoke, you think, okay, this is like so and so, or how is this compared yeah. to so and so. You know, for me, yeah. Corojo has always been Oroa because uh, you yeah. guys have done it the best and you arguably have the best reputation with it. Yeah. Um, not that other people don't do it well. They do. People, you know, everyone grows good tobacco. A lot, well, a lot of people grow good tobacco, a lot of great cigars out there. But, you know, the Corojo, I think, is, is really what makes you guys special. It, not I, that anything yeah, else is not good. That's like I would say your crown jewel. And I need to clarify something. The only original seed... Or let me rephrase it. Daniel Rodriguez gave the, the original seed to only one person, who was my father. Never gave it to anybody else. All right? Now, could somebody else have the authentic seed because they got it? Maybe. I don't know. But the only traceability, the only one you can try is the one that my father got. And what he'll do is he'll grow the original one. And, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't tell very many people his secrets. So, so, but after like seven, eight, ten years... If the, the taste starts, you know, a, leaving the original flavor, he'll go back to the original bucket that he keeps of the seed, and he'll start all over again. Because the seed over years, it'll start changing. Right. And I don't know, and the minerals change, whatever, the properties change. So every so many years, he'll go back to the original batch. Well, he's got, I bet you he could, he could do a, a brand new crop every year until like the year 2050. You know, and hopefully he's around 30 more years where he can keep doing it. You know, so, uh, so I don't think that, you know, I do see the other Corojo. Dude, the Corojo became so the Camacho Corojo became so popular that Cuba came out with Corojo, and, and the seeds that they were developing, they call the Corojo Corojo '99 and Corojo 2006. And unfortunately, Daniel Rodriguez gave me permission to register the trademark, but the USPTO didn't let me do it. You know, mm -hmm. I remember even General Cigar came out with Punch Rare Corojo. Yeah, and I remember. I, you know, I, I complained about it. Daniel Nunez is like, well, listen, you know, it is Sumatra. That Sumatra comes from the original strain of Corojo. I go, bro, so why don't you just call it Sumatra? It's not Corojo. So it just became one of those things. But, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I used to get a lot more pissed off about it. I don't I don't pay it that much mind anymore because there's nothing I could do. I couldn't protect the trademark. So, uh, but I do use, hear a lot of people using that. 
a term and it drives me crazy. But it's internal now. I don't verbalize it because I'm not going to gain anything from it. You know? so, so another question I have for you is, I, I, you know, we've talked to a lot of, you know, manufacturers who, you know, who also, you know, grow their own tobaccos and, and, and all that too. Um, and a lot of those guys have said to me that the most valuable thing in the whole company out of, you know, all their assets and everything they have is the seeds. It's not not the yeah. it's not the factory, it's not the farms, it it's the seeds themselves. Would you agree with that? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. You know, we we had uh one company that's buying tobacco from us, what they ended up doing. They ended up stealing our seed guy and they stole our seeds, which is something real real shite that they did, you know. And um well you got you gotta protect your seed. So some guys that really are in the leaf business, what they do is they figure out how to make the, the seed uh, sterile and they won't reproduce. So you got to go back and get the seed from them. And it's a very common practice. They do it with corn, you know, Monsanto, all these companies do it. So, uh, but yeah, you got to protect the seed. See, then you got, it, look at, but everything that goes with it, right? When you got the calfrisa, which is, are the curing barns, you never tell anybody how you process and how you, you start curing your tobacco. You don't tell anybody anything about your fermentation. You don't tell anybody about the water you use. You don't tell anybody anything because you got to keep so many secrets, you know, because, you know, my father some years ago developed those barrels. What the barrels do, it's a big barrel. You've seen it. Drew Estate puts it in all their ads. It's a big drum where they're drying the tobacco leaves, right? They spin it around. And what that does is, you know, tobacco, the hand of tobacco is bunched up. All the leaves are together. And you want to get the ammonia out of it. So normally, you know, before you used to just shake it by hand. We damaged so many leaves. So my father came out with these big drums where they spin. And when the leaf is coming up around, if you can imagine when it's like, been like this, all the leaves open up. And, of course, the ammonia escapes. You know, he showed that to one person. And that person shared it with other people. Well, so anybody started copying that technique. But it wasn't that they were copying because if it's advanced in the industry, that's great. It's the fact that they started taking credit for it, which are little things that, that drive, me, drive me crazy. And, you know, my father laughs at me all the time. You know, Chris, it's not that important. I go, Dad, it's not that it's important or not. It's. You know, things should be credited to whoever the source is every time. You know, I don't mind quoting whatever, Mark Twain or quoting somebody. Just say, listen, Mark Twain, you say this, right? Oh. You got to quote it. So the techniques are something you also have to protect. The way you bunch cigars, you got to protect. The way you do your... Every little thing you have to protect. You know, because you got a lot of unscrupulous business people out there. You know, I, I, I can probably tell you that in my lifetime, I've been to maybe four cigar factories that belong to somebody else. And by, by invitation where I've been asked to go, actually, I, I can remember. It was General Cigar in Dominican Republic before I was in the business. Rolando Reyes, invited me to him. Altres did a tour over in uh, one of the TAAs, which I felt uncomfortable about. And I think Pai uh, Placencia, who invited me one time to pick up most. You know, when I lived in Dan Lee, inevitably you end up someplace. And, and But always, you know, I'm, I'm always looking up. I don't want to look at anything. I don't want to see anything. Because I find it so so disrespectful, so disrespectful. You know, to, to if someone really, did that to me. That's a really interesting take, and I don't think anyone's ever yeah. said that here on the show before. Um, yeah. And it, it's almost like you know, as much as you know, as a cigar brand owner and a manufacturer, you know, you're obviously in competition with everyone else in that cigar shop. When you go into a cigar shop and you see a Roa and Asylum and CLE on the shelf. There's other cigars on that shelf, too, and you're in competition with those guys. But you also have a level of respect for, like, hey, you know what? I have my secret family recipe for how I make my cake, and you have yours. And, you know, that's for you to make, and I have mine to make. I don't need to know how you do yours. 
Um, which is very interesting, you know, and, and like you said, there's a lot of people out there who would love to know what, what other people do and, and steal ideas and, and try to work that into their own thing. Um, uh, for you, it's like, you know what, I want to keep my secrets in and I don't need yours. Let me do my thing, which is, you know, that's, uh, that's a, that's a respectable trait. You don't have every, like, like when we did 70, right? The 70 by seven, the size hadn't blown up yet, right? We come in and the size blows up and I thought it was going to be a fat six months, eight months. And back then, I was having issues with, with the guys at Davidoff, right? We had conflicts. So Davidoff comes out, and they knock off the asylum. I remember when I was at dinner with with, um, with Lazuka. I think we're, I want to say we're in Colorado, and they come up with a payback. Oh, my God, man. Tom was furious, and I was I was so happy. That's probably, that was a turning point. He says, why are you so happy? I go, Tom, because they just, they just cemented our brand into the industry. Because anytime you, you come out and you make a product to copy one that's already out there being successful, all you do is make the one that's already successful the standard. Yeah. So everybody confesses the standard. So, you know, I, I think even with last I counted, and I think there are 37 other companies that did a 70 by 7. But this time 13 still keeps growing. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're, every, you know, what, 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 when these people, they call, yeah, we're going to take the market share. They don't take the market share. They give us more market share even because keep, people kept keep uh, comparing. It's just one of those things. Look, you know, um, Ashton and Davidoff are the kings of Connecticut rappers. Anybody, even even Padron, they're such a great brand, such a great family, try to do it, and you can't do it. You know, those guys are, are in consumers' eyes, they are simply the best in Connecticut rappers. That's what no one else tries to compete with them is Ashton and Davidoff, period. No one else is going to do it better. You know, and you got different sizes, you know, what or different. You know, uh, infused cigars. I mean, Drew Estate, right? Is anybody ever going to even even take like 0.5% of their market share? Nobody. Got no shot. Right. Now, you Coop, know? I know Coop is, Coop has a lot of strong feelings. We talked about this a lot on our other show about people like copying things or stealing ideas, not just simple cigar stuff, even kind of outside the box stuff. Uh, which we talk about all the time. You know, I know yeah. one, one, of the yeah. big, one of the biggest things for Coop is when people steal, like, just marketing ideas and bring it into the cigar industry. Um, and so, Coop, uh, Coop, I'll let you hit on that if you want to. This is me giving you your soapbox to, 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 to bash copiers once again. <laughs> no, I, I did, you know, and I, thanks, Matt. And, yeah, I did Christian hit it. You know, I just, you know, and he talked about a case where um, there was – you know, it was clearly a shot at you guys, the big payback. And look, I love the Davidoff guys and everything. I just, and I love those guys, but I didn't think you know it needed to be done. I think they were doing so well on their own, right, that they didn't need to kind of go in that direction there. And like I said, I look at what you guys did with the seventy ring. Like you guys said, you didn't invent it, but man, you made it. That Asylum Thirteen was as much of an impact brand as any brand in the last decade. It was, you know, it it, it was just that much of an impact. Um, and I think, I think, you know, Chris, that's actually, I probably would have been like Lazuka. I probably would have been the guy who was upset. I got to be completely honest with you. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, and, and one thing I've really admired what you've done at Camacho and now at CLE, it's all original. Every, all your ideas are original. These blends are original. There's so much creativity. And I appreciate that as a, as a, an enthusiast. Yeah, I really yeah. do. Well, so who, that's right. I can go the, crazy on it. I'm not going to. Even the trips to Honduras, man. You know, we started doing these trips, and all of a sudden, everybody started doing these trips. And I think it helped the industry overall, yeah. but it kind of diluted the trips in general. It reminds me of, you know, when, when uh, during the cigar boom, 
everybody was in, importing humidors from uh, Europe, and, and the pieces were beautiful, like $200, $500 pieces. And XYZ Company, they're still in business now, so I won't mention their name. XYZ Company calls me in one time and says, hey, we're going to start bringing humidors for China for 50 bucks a humidor. I go, why would you do that? You know, people want to pay high for high-quality stuff. If you do yeah. that, you're going to ruin the accessory business, and you're going to ruin this and that. Well, obviously, they didn't listen, and it happened just – I'm not saying it's because I, I called it. I didn't call – you know, it was, it was just obvious. They started coming in with these cheaper humorists from China, and people just didn't appreciate the, the, the craftsmanship of the product anymore. It, it's just one of those things that – I've been very one, I, vocal on that as well. I, I don't want to see that craftsmanship go away. It's a big yeah. part of what makes us unique. Yeah. Listen, yeah. We're trying to we're, – we're really advancing our, our box factory. We're building a new box factory now. Which uh, you know that, that's probably we're gonna we do we're gonna do a grand opening in January, so we moved our sales meeting now. We're gonna do it in Honduras, and because I want everybody to see what we've done with the factory, especially our guys. You know, it's been it's been such a tough year getting product here, and so many, and the factory in Honduras has increased like 122, 125 percent this year. You know, Nicaragua has, has has slowed down for us, but I I do want our guys to see exactly what we've done, because I want them to feel comfortable and be, feel proud because they. You know, they are the ones, you know, each one of our guys is a nail in that building. Each yeah. one is one of those bricks. Yeah. And, and the stores yeah. as well. I wish I could bring the stores. You know, it's just it's just harder to travel now, especially the way we used to travel before. Yeah. But a, a um, so I want to start building, with this new box factory, part of the goal is for us to start building humidors in Honduras. You know, I want to not give China that much business anymore. I want to see how much we can build ourselves. Listen, man, Honduras is unemployed people to grow. Honduras needs people to work. We can do a lot more. And I think it, it, it's very um, especially manufacturers that buy their boxes from China now, man. What the hell are you doing? I mean, employ the people you have. I mean, I, it, it's listen, if we don't approach the way we do business with a certain amount of social responsibility and respect for our workers, then what are we doing? If, if we're just there, they grow. If it's just about the money, then man, then it's just about the money then. Right, but we we have to have responsibility to toward the people that work for us. I mean, a lot of these people. I remember Raul. We were doing some videos, and you interview a lot of these people. And Raul actually, Raul is a very sensitive millennial. All right, let's just get that out. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> throwing shade, Raul. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Bro, and he started interviewing, and it happened to him like three times. But the last one was this lady that says, you know. I'm so grateful. I work. I get up at 4.30 in the morning, and I really appreciate this job. I get up at 4.30 in the morning to come to work. And I'm trying to see the Raul. He's all watered up. He's all choked up. He goes, Christian, man, I got to take a break, bro, because I can't believe. I mean, every time, because I, I scream on my guys all the time, especially my sales people go, bro, come on, man. You can't tell me you saw two customers when everybody in Honduras get up at 5 o'clock today and go to work. Yeah. So Raul's like, hey, Christian, I thought that was just something you, you just used to say. I go, no, bro. That's, I mean, it's real. These people really get up that early. So, how, how could I ever call my day over or call it quits when I know that these people are putting in everything that they have and they're doing it for our benefit, for everybody's benefit? Yeah. You know? I think it's very important every time that we go to Honduras as well that when we see everybody working, you understand why you do what you do. You know, it's not like Christian said, it's not just money, it's just, hey, these guys wake up early. These guys, you know, they don't stand up. They don't have the things that we do. The, the, you know, the extra time, the looking at my phone. 
these guys are working, working, working. And Christian always um, talks about the, the chaining commands, you know, the, the, the lineup that we have to all be in. You know, if something fails in this side, everybody's crippling, you know. So we all keep that discipline. We all try to have that same responsibility. We think of everybody that it's in Honduras as well as it's here in, in the United States, everywhere. I mean, we have people working for us and because of them, we're able to produce this amazing packaging, these amazing cigars. And, and I think responsibility, like Christian is mentioning, it's very important. And consistency, listen, we, you guys were talking earlier about the Coroco hmm. and I have a, a small story. I once tried uh, the CLE Classic, uh, CLE, no, the Eiroa Classic in Honduras back in 2012. And uh, I smoked it. I fell in love with the cigar. And then time went by. I hadn't had that cigar in a while. And it's uh, already like, what, 2018. And I sit down with my friends and I see Aneroa there. And I'm like, you know what? Let me smoke this cigar because I know this cigar. And then the moment that I smoke it, it was just the same experience that I had in Honduras. And it has been so many, so many times, you know. So I, I do believe in this company a lot, and I do believe in all the work that it's put in Honduras and everybody that works in the company. is just fantastic. Yes. You know, a lot can be said about, you know, when you run a, when you run a business, no matter what it is, you know, you, the way you treat your employees, everybody, whether it's, you know, your second in command whether it's, you know, the guy who cleans the floor, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, you, you treat them all the same. You treat them all with respect. You you, you, you treat them all good. You know, you, you reward them, you know, when they earn it or whatever. And they're going to they're gonna give you 110%. I mean, they're going to give you everything. I mean, think about, like, any job you've ever had where you work for someone who was, you know, just just a real douchebag or the, the conditions were bad. And, 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 and it was like, whatever, just do your job. You lose motivation. And you yeah. lose motivation. You lose productivity. You lose quality. Um, it's a ripple effect, and then it shows, yeah. especially when you have a product, even if it's not cigars. Whether it, no matter what it is, if it's, you have a product that you manufacture that you sell, you're in a market, and you know your staff is just hmm, lackadaisy, unmotivated. They're not happy. The, the conditions are poor. You, you treat them like shit. You don't you don't pay them a fair way. Eh, all right, they're gonna give you what you give them. You know, you treat your staff well. You know, you have that consistency. You know, Raul mentioned that consistency. You know, you have a good staff. You treat them well. They work hard. They have that consistency. And then it shows in your product. And then by the time it gets to the consumer and the customer, you know, they see that. And they appreciate that. And then that's why yeah. they keep coming back. So, you know, yeah. and that, and that's a message that, you know, most of these manufacturers, you know, you know I get the, um, the honor of getting to sit down with and talk to. It's the same message. You know, it's. The cigar industry is real special for that reason too. It's it's a lot of smaller companies, family-owned companies. Their name is on the box. You know, it's not Apple. Yeah. It's not Apple computer. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not Sony. You know. Oh, listen. It, it's it's a family we're not, we're business. Just, we're not quarter to quarter, man. We, we got to focus. You know, if I look at, and I mean, listen, it sounds horrible that I'm that I'm I'm even using the name, but I'm using it in the most positive way possible because this guy is one of my mentors. You look at Carlos Fuente, right? I guarantee you, Carlos Fuentes sits there, and every single one of their his ideas probably has like a forty or fifty year sunset. Same as me. I mean, we're not quarter to quarter. We're not month to month. Oh shit! What do I need to do? Why, why do I? Why do I have to do a build? Uh, hit my number. We're focused on 
10, 20, 30 years. How do we build these brands for long term? And that's the one thing I learned about Davidoff. These guys are, they manage that brand so well. They protect it so well. The quality, everything about it was fascinating. I learned a lot from them. They were very nice and, and very open about explaining this. And listen, it's obvious. And it's obvious in, in the way the product is presented. And that's what I was saying earlier. When you open up a cigar box and it's called Calidad Total, Total Quality, which means that, you know, the, the person who packs the cigars is the last person that will see those cigars before the customer sees it on a shelf someplace. So if that person's not happy, they're not going to put a good job. They're not going to put in the right work, right? So that's what I was saying earlier that when you open up one of our boxes, you see how everything's packed and the bands, everything's at the same level. Right. This is the amount of detail. Let me ask, where do you guys live? Where do you live? I live. Uh, I live in Boston. Coop is in, North Carolina. Uh, Indian Trail, North Carolina. Right. Uh, if you ever get the chance, I'm sure you have before, but I want you to go next time you go to an In-N-Out Burger. You're in the West Coast. Oh boy! I go every time I go. Listen, I don't eat fast food. <laughs> I haven't eaten Burger King probably 35 or 20 something years. But when when I go, I love to go and see the staff. Bro, I don't know what they do with those kids, man. But they're always smiling. They're always in a good mood. There they are. You ever see anybody pissy or complaining? And I sit there and I watch and, and I research and you know they don't they don't really share a lot of their information right they're, they don't they don't do very many management uh, case studies about them but I always wonder what the hell they do that these people are so happy you know saying Chick Fil A is the same thing I was just gonna say Chick Fil A we have that right here it's the same thing they're always happy they're very efficient and yeah. they they keep people moving yeah. so listen I don't know man all I can tell you is. I make cigars, and, and I'm really not driven by, by money or profits or anything like that. I'm driven by what we can do for the people that have been so great for uh, to us yeah. for so many years. And I'm not just talking, of course, our employees, but I'm also talking about our customers, our salespeople, anybody and everybody that has to do with us. I want I want somebody, you know, what I really want from a cigar is someone to light up the cigar and say, oh, my God, this is a great taste. I don't want to say that it's great tasting growth. I want to say, man. I wanted to think about what that cigar represents. That cigar represents something more than just that immediate flavor. It, it, it's not so myopic. There has to be. There's a wider, wide-angle view of everything where it came, where it came from, what it represents, who it helps, and who will continue to help. And that's really what, what drives me the most, man. If, if I had one message for tonight, that's it. You know, we 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 um, we build these things for the long term. We want to do things right. Do things right. And do right by people that help us all the time, man. For so for so long. Extremely well said, Christian. Uh, so I wanted to, I want to uh, switch gears really quickly, um, get more towards the the more fun lighter half of the show. Um, well, first, we're going to start with our news segment, brought to you by McAuliffe Cigars. McAuliffe Cigars become an ambassador today. If you head over to McAuliffeCigars.com, you can sign up, become an official ambassador. And while you're at it, pick up your McAuliffe tasting passport today. Um, big news for today. Uh, one that's been looming over everyone's heads, uh, more specifically probably you guys as manufacturers. Uh, the $96 billion <laughs> tobacco tax hike removed from the Build Back Better Act. Um, I know that's one that's – and we talked about this with Tom, you know, two weeks ago, you know, especially because of asylum and, and the larger, you know, uh, ring gauge cigars. You know, this this tax had some, some verbiage in it that, you know, the increase would be on a percentage base – and, you know, when you're talking about a box of 20 cigars that are, you know, 7 by 70, you know, obviously that tax increase is going to be significantly more than a box of 20, you know, 
six and a half by fifty twos. You know, there's a there's a much more weight there. There's a lot more tobacco there. So seeing this go away, at least for now, uh, it was a good thing. I would call it a win. Uh, Coop, I'll let you chime in on this. Um, if anything you you wanted to say on the matter too, I I know you got a story coming out on Cigar Coop on this as well. Yeah. Um. Look, this is this is good news. Uh, we have. Um. And obviously, uh, your PCA's claim victory pretty quickly. But but at the same time, I I think they what I liked about the communication that went out by PCA today, and I think they did a good job for the most part on that. Was they told people, look, this can make its way back in. Whether it's this year or probably not this year, but it could make it back this year. But right. it could next next session of Congress, next time a bill comes out, it is. So they they really were advising people to keep the pressure on with this, um, to to make it uh, known. And look, I think I think they had a good response from this. Uh, obviously, was was the, you know the, the petitions was was people in Washington. Something got done right here. Um, yeah. and, and I think this is a good day for the industry. Again, can't rest on our laurels. But uh, good job. I mean, it's a good job here. It's, this is this is a great way to close out the month of October. <laughs> and, yeah. No, I know Christian good, stepped good, off good, for a second, good. but but Raul, um, you know, on the manufacturer side, uh, I know this is definitely going to be somewhat of a. Oh, Christian's back. I mean, th- this news has to definitely be a, a, even if it, like Coop said, even if this is only temporary for now and it finds its way. But for now, I mean, it's got to be a little bit of relief, you know, especially of manufacturers of, of larger ring gauge cigars, but cigars in general too. Uh, cause, I mean, we never want to see tax increases, prices go up. Uh, it's, it's something you can't avoid, but ultimately it, it trickles all the way down to the consumer. And they're the ones with the money in their pocket who are going to cigar shops to spend. And if the prices go up dramatically because of tax, yeah, it affects everybody. Listen, bro, for many years we had seconds. And the way it would work is you had wrappers, right? And the wrappers that weren't pretty enough to go in the expensive cigars, they would go in the seconds. And the seconds would be in bundles. And bundles used to be long filler before. But then the ASIP came in. The ASIP adds almost a dollar every single cigar. And that killed us. Plus, you, you took a company like Camacho that was 12 million cigars a year. That was a $5 million tax from day one. And what right. makes it even better is the fact that this is for that, that, that state children's health insurance program. So I couldn't even put my employees on in the state of Florida. So here we are paying four and a half, five million dollars a year for that stupid tax. And Florida doesn't even have Florida because we have Florida kid care. So we're paying for other people to put people on the program. We never even asked for it. We never we didn't took never took anything from it. So these taxes have just been so unfair. And our industry, because we're so small, we, we can barely fight. You know, we just don't have enough money. Now we got yeah. three different groups. We got the PCA, the CRA, the CIA. They agree, and the funny thing is, they all agree, but they all can't see to get along. Yeah, go all the time. It's yeah. the dumbest thing ever, man. It's the dumbest thing ever. So frustrating. I've been on the CIA board forever, man, since the, the mid '90s. But you know, the, the CRA doesn't get along with CIA, and the PCA doesn't get along with, with whatever. It's just, it's just one of those stupid things. And I'm like, guys, everybody's on the yeah. same side. Why can't we just? Can't we all just get along? No, but it just doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it's so, true. So it's the, true. The fact that that is out, man, is huge for us. Because, Bonio, man, how much more pressure can we put on our customers? You know, retail stores, doesn't matter how fancy they are. They're not huge businesses. You know, when you compare a retail store to, say, I don't know, a Chick-fil-A, right? Like a Chick- one Chick-fil-A might do $6, 7000000 million a year. Cigar stores do a fraction of that amount. And these guys aren't sophisticated business people. You know, it's a guy that, you know, he, he, he put 
and a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars. He put his life works, his, his life savings to a business. He's running a great business. We just don't. It's not a big industry, cigars. And these are the guys that get affected in the end. And all. And so I'm glad that that tax is out. You know, I heard those. I heard that news. The news earlier today also. You know, I was speaking with Craig Williamson. He sent me that message. So we're not in the 1.7 trillion. Hopefully, nothing happens, and and let's see what happens next year. And I mean, I really, yeah. and what I hate most and most I absolutely detest is the fact that we have become a we are we in our industry we're forced to have to be on the right all the time mm-hmm. only because taxes. You know we can't. You know I can't see past that issue. You know and I, I wish I could I could agree with more things and lean more on the other side, but through taxes just policy wise right not. Policy-wise, I have to defend my business. I have to defend my employees and my family. So I always have to lean on the right because of taxes. When these guys could do a lot more to help us, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's a huge issue. And, you know, and like you said, you know, it, it, it's not like it affects everybody. Even you and your family, your employees, it, it's, a, it's, it's as a whole. And, and I think the other point that you made that was great was just – you know, I, I know we all kind of laughed about it, but it's like, yeah, why can't we all just be friends? Why Why is it that <laughs> such a small industry is yet also so divided? And it's egos, like, man. It's all egos. Egos and bullshit. Yeah. It's egos. Yeah. And that's that's the biggest thing that has to change. And it probably yeah. won't change anytime soon. But, you know, if that changed, you know, I'm not saying, you know, like a switch, everything would be better. But I think you would see much better strategy and you see more things get done. You know, right now it's like with a little bit of manpower we have and the funding that we have, it's like it's just it's all over the place. It all just needs no, to come it, together. It will yeah. be a more synergistic use of limited resources that we have. Right. You know, talking to one, I was talking to one of the people from one of the associations at the TAA. I said, man, you know, XYZ Association does such a good job with this. Why are you spending more money? All you have to do is align with them. You know, we don't I, have that much money I, I, in the industry. You're fight. You're, this is such a stupid fight, man. I've said this too. I mean, and you don't. It's not hard to look to see where these redundant efforts are going on. You're 100 percent right. Listen, cool. I get it, right? You know, yeah. CAA. A lot of the big manufacturers there, the machine made cigars. Times the CAA or those manufacturers don't represent my interests, right? Right. I sit on the board because it's tobacco. We fight tobacco taxes. We fight uh, smoking bans in 99 in, in the in the states. Right. So 99 out of 100 times, everybody's aligned. Everybody's aligned. And when we're not aligned, so let's sit down and say, okay, what do we agree to disagree on? What do we not agree on? And what can we agree on? And yeah. as long as you talk about that, you know. And and the example I gave to him was, you know, being married for a long time. You know, after so many years of being married, you finally realize there are things that she's not going to change or things I'm not going to change. There are things that I can live with, the things that she can live with, and the things that we absolutely agree on. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. we don't talk about the stuff we'll never agree on. And we kind of fake, fake, agree, <laughs> fake agree with stuff that you know, I you don't know, agree yeah. on. You know, it's funny. You know, for, for, for those who are listening at home via podcast uh, who, who are not watching the video, um, I feel like I, I need to do you this 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 service of letting you know that oftentimes when when Christian speaks, what you can't see is Raul in the lower right corner just laughing hysterically. Um, 
Roll, is this is this how it is at the office like during the day? Like is Tr- absolutely, man. Does Christian absolutely. just rattle on and just and just just tickle you guys inside? <laughs> absolutely, man. But it's always fun. It's you you learn a lot. We call it the CLE University because there's always something that we learn there. And 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 listen, he gives the best advice sometimes. I am like, this can't be. This can, but but my teacher has always proven me wrong. So I have super respect, for Christian, because. You know, it's one of those things that now I just listen. I have to listen because he's proving me so many times that, hey, what I'm telling you is by experience, kid. It's not because I want to make your life impossible. But listen, I, I sometimes it comes very strong. Sometimes it, you just have to laugh because it's the truth, man. <laughs> so, Raul, let me ask you this question. So, in your experience, in your, your career working for Christian, with Christian, uh-huh. what's the best, or let me reword that. What's the most important thing that you've learned from Christian as a whole? Just one, if you had to pick one thing, what was the, what's the biggest thing you've learned from him? You know what? He, he asked me that question in a different way, but he, he asked me like a, a week ago, Hey, bro, what's leadership to you? And, and I was so nervous because I was like, man, I don't want to get this, this, this wrong. And but I want to I I make sure that he knows what this represents. I had something in my heart that I really wanted to say and, and I didn't, but I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, choose this time to, to actually tell him what I think. I, I think he's that leadership that he was talking about because oh, in thanks, the COVID man. times, in the COVID times, man, you should have seen Christian, man. This guy, it felt like this, man. It felt like he told everybody, hey, guys, all right, listen to this. Nobody's going to lose their job, but everybody's going to work their ass off. But guess what? Everybody's going to win. And that guy pulled the entire team, and we all followed him. And he just went at it by himself and his team. Just, you know, made us feel like, yeah, you guys are gonna work your ass off, but we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna win at the end. And I promise you, I have, I feel like this company kicked everybody's ass during COVID. And this is my opinion. And and I and we worked our asses off. We still work our asses off, and we're still kicking ass and and i think that that was christian telling everybody let's go i'm here with you guys i'm i'm not gonna let you guys down and 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 that's what i've learned about this guy that he will not quit and he will protect his own with everything man and 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 when i get that listen i can only offer my best to him every day wow thank you thank you really nice really nicely said um that was really nice um I I don't think I was expecting such a such a heartfelt <laughs> deep answer, but no, but it was good. It was really good, yeah. and I, and I really applaud you on that. That was awesome. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it. Oh, we're gonna get away from cigars for for a minute before before we end the show. Uh, I'm gonna go to our top three segment, and it'll be um I'll spoil it for you. It'll be baseball related. Our top three segment brought to you by Rim 101 Cigars. More than just a cigar brand, it's a lifestyle. Rim 101 Cigars. Rim 101 Gin. And the Room 101 Shadow Army. If you know, you know. If you don't, you're not part of the club. Um, <laughs> this week, our top three. Uh, I'm going to go baseball-related. I'm going top three favorite baseball players of all time. Um, now, Coop's probably giggling over there in, in silence because he loves this topic. <laughs> if it was top three people in Major League Baseball who he hates, number one would be Gabe Kapler. Uh, um, yes. That that I'm doing that for Terrence Riley. 
I gotta make yeah. sure I, I keep yeah, it's it. confirmed, and it's confirmed by the way. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that yeah. hatred. Yes. No, I know, I know it is. I don't even have to ask. Yeah. I know yeah. it. Is. It, it, it. Absolutely. But Christian, top three favorite baseball players, past, present. Um, if you had to pick three, Dude, I can I can tell you the three that I've met and gotten to know because you know Christian plays baseball now. Right. And, and number one, Mike Lowell. He, oh, is, yeah. he is oh. one of the nicest guys. He was yeah. a neighbor in Bimini, neighbor in Miami. That's one guy I've talked to right. a, a few dozen times. Always friendly, always quick with advice, and uh, very low-key, man. The other one was uh, El Duque Orlando. You know, a little bit of a, you know, a little, not the worst, not scatterbrain, but he, he he's so in love with baseball that whenever you, you want to talk about anything else that's not baseball, you just completely lose him. <laughs> and one that I, I'm, I'm just complete, just beginning to get to know because Christian plays baseball with him is Ibanez. Bro, Ooh, I I oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Bro, Philly. He was as a human being, that guy is fantastic as a father. Again, listen, I fell in love with baseball when we did the, you know, I played when I was little, but you know, I wasn't that, I didn't play that many years. But, you know, we, we had the Comerica Bar, Comerica, the Cigar Bar at Comerica Park. And with the Tigers and really fell in love with it back then. And so I didn't get to see many of these guys play because it was almost toward the end of their careers. But Ibanez is, is such a good man, good, good sweet man, and, and uh, very good to dispense advice also. You know? Raul, what about you? Listen, I'm from Mexico, man. Listen, <laughs> baseball, I'm going to tell you something funny that happens to me with baseball all the time. So I have a Detroit hat, right? And yeah. uh, I, I bought it because I really like it. Every time I wear it, somebody just looks at me like, are you kidding me? They, they, everybody has a comment to tell me all the time. I, I don't follow baseball. I, don't, I will not know what to tell you. But I can tell you that every time I wear my Detroit hat, someone always has to give me some kind of comment. I <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's, what, that's what we do to Coop every time he goes on social media and he likes to poke his public jabs at – at uh, at people, uh, a lot of times it's New England athletes. Um, yes. Some, sometimes True. it's Gabe Kapler. Um, but all right, so and he played in Boston. So he did. He did. He did. He was very. He was very good here. And Terrence Riley would back me up on that. Uh, <laughs> so all right, Coop, if you had to give me the top three people you like, not let me let me let me make sure this is clear, not dislike, the three the top three favorite people you like, who would it be? And these have to be players, right? We're talking players or anyone yeah, in baseball. Yeah, player, player. Let's go players. We'll keep it simple. Okay, we'll go players. Okay, because Charlie Manuel would be on the list if it was not. Nah. So let's go to. So the first is Hank Aaron. Um, I'm old enough to remember Hank Aaron uh, breaking the Brewers record. So and I, but I really remember Hank Aaron's last two years with the Brewers, and it was like a big deal for me to watch him. They used to have a thing called Monday Night Baseball in the '70s. And Hank Aaron was on a lot when he uh, towards the end of his career. So I kind of do remember Hank Aaron as a player, and you know I, I love the whole story of how he overcame so much, and he was a great ambassador to the game afterwards. Um, Phillies fan, I got to put Mike Schmidt second, uh, not second, but these are I'm not really putting more, but Mike Schmidt obviously up there, uh, just the greatest third baseman of my lifetime that I've seen. Uh, you know, huge fan of his growing up, and then I'm gonna kind of go. The way Christian went, um, Mike Piazza, uh, because I spent four hours smoking cigars with Mike Piazza in New York, and it was one of the greatest days of my life that I had. Really, the guy, the guy is so nice, so open, told me so many stories, loves cigars. Um, 
and it was just a day I'll never forget. And I, I wasn't a fan of his beforehand. I became a fan of his after meeting him and spending four hours with the guy. And he happened to just awesome. be in a cigar lounge in New York. So and cool. you know who would change your mind also? Is you, if you ever hung out with David Ortiz, you would change your mind completely, man. I have, you know, I, I like David Ortiz. I, I do. Um, I mean, when he got shot, I was very, uh, very distraught that that happened because he's a good guy. I love, loved watching him play. I love him as an announcer now. You know, when he does the announcing, I think he's great. Uh, he's a lot of fun. So I, I've never met him. I'd love to meet him. I would so love Dan, to meet him. You know, his kid is real good friends with, with Julio, my second son. They were going to school together. Uh-huh. So he and I started hanging out and, you know, smoking cigars, hanging out and, you know, Christian was, I think, junior high school. When he had that accident, he went to Scott to scope out the Dominican training camp where the White Sox train. Uh-huh. I think it was a, I wanted to say the White I don't remember. No, no, let me not. It was one of these schools in Dominican because we were going to send D'Angelo and Christian to the same school. The weekend, I mean, the weekend he got shot. I'm not saying I was going to be with him that trip, but he was scoping what? out. And, of course, oh, wow. we didn't talk to him afterward because, you know, the situation got sticky at home. You follow? Yeah. So, uh, no, I know um, the night it happened, it was a Sunday night. Bear, who's, you know, he's part of the Coop team. He has his own show. He was going on the air, and I believe it was with Terrence um, Riley that night, who's a New England fan, Boston fan. And I minutes before the show, I said, Bear, I don't know if you saw this. And, and unfortunately, I really shook Bear up, and they, you know, unfortunately, but I said, you know, obviously they talked about the love of war tees as well. Um, and, and I'm so glad everything really turned out okay. Yeah, he, he is. He's a good. He's good for the industry as well. Our industry, I think. You know, the fact that he loves cigars, and I I've seen interviews with him. He's very. He's a, he seems like a great guy. He does really seem like a great guy. See, I do like some Boston guys, Matt. Well, David Ortiz is awesome. I was yeah, gonna say, I do my, like him. My list is very interesting, um, and I know there's gonna be some people in the comments who are just gonna be like, "What? How can you say that?" Because there's because there's there's one person on this list. Um, who plays for a certain New York team. I know. Uh, and obviously, I'm from Boston. Um, but you have to understand, some of us are fans of teams, and some of us are just fans of the game. Um, my three yeah. would be, I'm going to start with Pedro Martinez, because I remember growing up watching Pedro, Pedro play. I loved Pedro. He played for the Phillies. He was a Philly his last year. Yeah, but he, he was known he was known for as a, as a Red Sox member. So let's just let's I just understand let's, that. Let's, I understand let's pipe that. down. All right. I, we, we were honored <laughs> to have him on the Phillies. We were honored to have him on the Phillies. But, but we rec- I recognize that too. Yes. Uh, I loved watching Pedro. I I, I I do remember seeing him as a kid. Um, David Ortiz, wow. I got to have on that list. Uh, being from Boston, uh, huge. Huge, huge member of, of the organization that that helped, you know, finally bring us to the top. Um, and these are in no particular order. But the third person, it, it, this is the one that's going to shock a lot of people. But I have a lot of good reasons. Um, that would be Derek Jeter. Now, the reason that a Boston fan would like Derek Jeter is, you know, again, I'm a fan of the game. Um, he made the Red Sox Yankees rivalry in that era fun to watch painful sometimes but it was good baseball and (laughs) and he the one thing i will say about jeter is that i always liked at least the way he conducted himself um good player you know more respectful not like a rod um you know i remember when he retired it was like 
It was like, yay, finally, he, he's leaving. But it was also like, it was like a part of my childhood because baseball was a huge part of my life growing up. So, you know, uh, when he retired, it was like a part of my childhood was over, you know. Uh, same with David Ortiz. Um, you know, that the, when those two guys left, it was like, th- that's it, you know, and th- that was a lot of years of good baseball. Um, and I was there. I was at the game at Fenway Park when, when Jeter took his last at bat. I was there. I saw it. And I have to say, even in Boston that day, they were all cheering for him. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what team you liked. They were all cheering for Jeter. There was yeah, a, there's was a respect there. Yeah, and I think it was the other way around with Ortiz in New York, right? I think the Yankee fans showed a lot of respect for Ortiz. I, I do believe that happened that the, the other way around as well, which was great to see with those two rivals doing. I think that's a good that, that was such a good thing for the game to see that. that oh happen. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's my top three list with it, and I, and I know it's some Boston fans might not be happy with that, but you know what? I I, I pick carefully. Um, but anyway, so so that's our top three for the week. Um, we're getting towards the end of the show, kind of running out of time. Uh, one thing I did want to hit on before, you know, we did wrap up is something new coming out with, from Asylum this week. Um, the Devil's Night and, uh, I'll, I'll, Devil's Night. and, uh, Devil's I'll, Night. and I'll let you guys, uh, I'll let you guys talk about that really quickly. You know, you want to laugh about Devil's Night, which Nook and Tom, you know, Nook's our salesperson in Michigan. Kept talking about Devil's Night, Devil's Night. Now, listen, I was born in Honduras. But I went to high school in Georgia, <laughs> uh, elementary school. So I remember watching the movie The Crow. Yeah. And I'm like, I go, Tom, what the hell is Devil's Night, man? Because all I know, that's when they were burning. He says, man, that's in Detroit. They used to burn houses the day before Halloween. I go, oh. So I finally knew what Devil's Night was all about. <laughs> but it was in, until 2015, man. That was six years ago. Yeah, I, that's how I learned about it when the first one came out. Yeah. Same yeah, here. Right. <laughs> I didn't know about it either. Yeah, I didn't know about either. that, man. Down, especially not in Dan Lee or Tegucigalpa. We don't know about that crap, man. <laughs> but listen, the cigars are optional. These packs, and yeah, uh, something happens to these cigars when you pack them in cardboard. Also, I don't know what it is, but something does happen. And you know, we're having a lot of fun making these different packs because there are a lot of little blends that we come up with that we can't really necessarily make mass production on, but they're blends that I, we like people to try. We've done several. We've done uh, Friday the 13th, Marta 13 this year. We did Arkham. I don't know if you guys tried the Arkhams. The Arkhams were mm-hmm. awesome. Yep. That was, that was, we dipped our toes in Dominican Yep. Uh, with that one. And now, you know, with, with these, um, with the Devil's Night, I think it's it's going to be, I think people are going to like these cigars a lot. You know, it, it's unfortunate that they're coming out now, this weekend. You know, I, I wish we would have them ready two or three weeks ago, but then there's nothing normal about the way things are running today, man. Yep. There's just nothing normal. So uh, so finally they're here. I think guys are really going to enjoy those cigars. They're, they're four packs. Four or five packs, bro. What are they? Yeah, they're five packs. Five. They're five packs. But I think guys are really going to enjoy those cigars, man. Look for them. A lot of stores pick them up. Yeah. If not, just, just look for them and start asking for them. But they're you will enjoy them. So ask for them. Yes. If your store has them, they, they should have a few. They're always run out. They always run out. Yeah, and that's, that's another thing. Go to your local brick-and-mortar retailer. Uh, ask them first before you go online, but uh, go to your local brick and mortar retailer and, and ask them for it. Um, I believe, uh, the two guys cigars get that. Did, did Dave Garofalo get those? I'm pretty sure he did, man. Dave Garofalo's game yeah. just about everything. So you can also I find think. those at two guys cigars.com. 
um, where you can find all sorts of Uroa products as well as Asylum 13 cigars. Um, yeah, no, it, it's fun watching you guys, you know, do releases and stuff and, 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 the, and the crazy stuff you guys come yeah. up with. And I, I think the uh, the one I'll, I'll end it on here is the uh, the one I think most people were talking about this year that started as a joke. Uh, your nine by ninety, the asylum nine. <laughs> can't wait. I can't wait. Um, so I, I it, that's, it's fun. You know, it really is. I, I love that stuff too. And I, I remember seeing that and then being like, oh, it's actually coming out. And then uh, I, uh, I got a little sneak peek of that at the uh, the trade show. Certain <laughs> CLE, a certain CLE Bro, employee. That weighs, this, <laughs> that weighs the same as two seventy by sevens, man. Oh, that's man. amazing. That is amazing it is to hear. Two seventy by sevens. Wow. Just like the yeah. 80 by 8 is 260 60 by 60. I don't know how the math worked out that way, man. But I swear to you, it worked out. 80 yeah. by 8 is 260 by 6s. And the 90 by 9 is 270 by 7s. So I have so, to uh, I have to throw I have to throw a little bit of heat here. Uh just because I can't contain my excitement. But uh when when we were out there, I asked Raul, I go, hey, so you guys have any of the, the Asylum 9s here? And he was like, yeah, we got some in the display. Like, you guys have any samples? He's like, ah, I don't know. I don't think so. And then I circled around another time, and I had this uh, Asylum 9 7x70 come my way uh, very mysteriously and discreetly. Um, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, don't tell anyone. <laughs> I was like, ah, don't worry. <laughs> I was going to smoke it with Tom, but then I didn't. And then I, don't know, I, I do have it still. I haven't tried it yet. But <laughs> You know what's funny, man? At, at this stage, I'm still excited about some of the blends that we're making. And I can't wait for people to try them. You know, the, the, the nines are already out there. The uh, Eiroa PCAs are out there. That's the exclusive. We made the box. That The box itself is an asterisk. And, and we didn't make it for the box. I just thought the box was cool. The blend is awesome. We have the Asylum, the PCA coming out probably in a couple of weeks. That cigar is incredible. That, that's become yeah. a daily smoking for us. My first cigar in the morning. And also, what's the uh, – and, and dude, the Pandemoniums are coming out awesome also. I don't mm. know if people try them or not. I really love the Pandemonium. Out. Yeah, it's a great love cigar. Love that cigar. Oh. I'm really excited with these cigars, Scoop. Yeah, man. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. I like it. I really yeah. like longer cigars too. I don't know what it is, but like I love like so when the when the pandemoniums came out, I was like real excited. I'm like, oh, it's an asylum, yeah. Yeah. long, um, and I remember I tried that and I was like, oh man, these are great. Yeah. I was cigars. so happy yeah. with those. Those are awesome. I still I yeah. still have a handful. I always keep a handful on hand for when I'm in the mood for a longer cigar. Um, yeah, those are those are probably one of my favorites. Those are great. Yeah, yeah. we used to have a, a Imperial National brand bundles. The Imperial was a 52 by eight and a half. Was very popular. That's actually what Bobby Cox used to smoke, man. Now you mentioned Bobby Cox. Oh they wow! Built, Bobby Cox used to get thrown out so much that he had a little a little piece written in the uh, dugout built out, and when he would get thrown out, he would light a cigar inside the dugout, hiding, and then he would peek to watch the game. <laughs> so one time when, when we had the uh, Comerica Park, because you know the Tigers went to the World Series, you know there's a lot of superstition in baseball, of course. Yep. So the Braves called me, and we were going to convert part of the Hank Aaron Lounge. What we were trying to trying to do. So he takes me to one of the games. Bobby Cox gets thrown out, and 20 minutes later, I start smelling a cigar. I go, fuck, someone's smoking, man. And so all of a sudden, we go. they have underneath home plate, they have like an office. So it's, it's eye level, right? You're, you're kind of, you're standing up. You're looking at the, at the hitter's ankles. So we're there, and they have an executive office right next to their dugout also. So we go, and now we're smoking a cigar on home plate. But, you know, I, I didn't have a lighter. So one of the guys comes out, gets the lighter. We light up the cigars, 
like five, ten minutes later, Bobby Cox comes out. Give me my goddamn lighter. <laughs> he went back and he's so pissed off. Like bars, and he had like one of those little shitty little big. <laughs> and you know that cigar was like a I don't know that the, the National Brown was like a two dollar cigar. So anyway, and then you know because we had, then we added the sixty by eight and a half and the seventy by eight and a half to that one. Yeah. So cigars were exciting, man. I'm excited about a lot of cigars. I can't wait for people to try. You know, I I want I really wanted to try the Devil's Night and try mm. the new stuff that we're working. We work hard on these things, so I hope you guys enjoy them. Yeah. Christian, I, I want to throw out there a lot of people are asking for the 70 by 4 man and a, a lot of people don't know about this the size that we also carry bro, bro yeah, in, on Instagram bro we have the CLE Sabache box press 70 by 4 which doesn't really feel like a 70 that cigar is lights out man that's a good cigar we got in, in the 70 by 4 I think we have a 60 by 4 yeah yeah. ADD is let me remember these sizes but I know we have a 70 might be a 69 by four, by four and a six and a sixty by four on the Asahi. That's a great yeah. cigar. That's on the CLE. You, you know, you guys talked about the Asylum Nine. I could tell you the Asylum Seven is the greatest seven by seventy cigar ever made. Uh, really? it, it, it is unbelievable. Oh, uh, that, that 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 seven by if if I've 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 given that to people or had people try that cigar who are not seventy ring gauge fans, and said that cigar is amazing. Yeah, every one of them, every yeah. one of them. Yeah, <clears throat> said wow. Yeah, yeah, so I, it is a fantastic. I'm I'm really excited about the nines. Cool. That's the fun thing about these cigars, man. That people can go back and still find yeah. the sevens, the eights, the nines. Yeah. We, we we're gonna release the tenth, and then they're gonna go back to nine. And this is what makes it fun, you know? Like it really does. It really back does. to one. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Um, and like I said, I uh I have a few sevens still still around, which is good. Um, and the 1118 was really good too, but that 70, I can say it's the greatest 70 ring gauge cigar ever made. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I'll Go be ahead, you guys, man. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I want to thank you guys because I'm going to have to head out in about a minute. Alexander's making face with his dinner's ready. Oh, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're wrapping <laughs> up right now. We went out, man. Oh, yeah, okay, good. Guys, thank you, man. Man, yeah. congratulations. Cool, thank you, man. Nice yeah, thank you. Yeah, good bro, seeing you as well. Tomorrow, bro. Yeah. See you tomorrow, tomorrow sir. <laughs> Yeah, we wanted to thank you guys for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for watching with us. Next week, we have the great Matt Booth returning to the show. Uh, so buckle up your seatbelts. It will be a wild ride once again. Um, thank you for watching. Don't forget to like, subscribe, Facebook, YouTube, everywhere podcasts can be found. We'll see you all next week. Take care. Take care, everyone. Take care, guys.